Hello and welcome once again to the GVA Way podcast. I'm Russ Howell, proud principal of GVA Salada, and at the table with me is GVA founder, Dr. Eldon Rosenau. How you doing, Doc? I'm doing fine, Russ. Glad to be here again. Glad to have you. So I'm going to intro the topic today. All right. So All we've right. been talking a lot about you know, some of the unique elements of GVA's instructional model, specifically focusing on the developmental focus of GVA's instruction. And I want to, we probably mentioned it already, but I want to again remind everybody about the responsibility charter schools have related to educational innovation. When the charter school movement started in, back in 1992, it was largely around the idea that charter schools needed to be sort of innovation laboratories for education. Yeah, the right? research and development arm of traditional education. Perfect. We were collectively pretty growing more dissatisfied with our results educationally as a country. And so the charter school movement was born. But then outside looking in, I think the charter school movement was associated most predominantly with school choice. That students and parents don't have to go to a school based on their address, that they had other options that they could pursue educationally, which is fantastic, right? That, that's a great thing right. to develop to happen within education. But I don't think publicly there was nearly as much conversation around, again, the purpose of innovation. If, if charter schools are not innovating, I'm not sure why they exist. True. I think that's how they first started. But then um, a lot of charter schools were, were started by educators who were dissatisfied with traditional educational system. But they knew education. And so they did more and better. They pushed a little harder, longer school days, a little more intensive rigor. So um, that's how they got the results. And out of it, very little real innovation has, has come. But I think uh, with the advent of this new field of uh, educational neuroscience, um, there might be a return to developing really unique ways of educating kids because you know as, as far as I know and I've been looking at this for a while in the past 40 50 years educational statistics have changed but they've changed so slightly and regardless of the billions of dollars spent on new curriculums um, new teacher training methods it's still not great. It's we haven't gotten to where we need to be. Well, let's just quick a, take a quick moment to talk about some of the elements of innovation. Right? Innovation doesn't happen if you don't have a safe space to try new things and to fail and to fail forward. But one of the challenges is that education at large is still the pressure and the pull is to replicate what is. Right. And the accountability and the pressure does not create space for true innovation. All of the pressure and all the influence is to do what we're already doing, which completely contradicts the spirit and the opportunity to benefit educationally from innovation in charter schools. So it's just, it's very difficult. And some things are going to have to change at the macro level for us to really fully embrace innovation and, and get the return that's possible there. But GVA still believes in the spirit 
of innovation. And we're still working hard to put energy towards new initiatives, um, new systems to help us serve students as effectively as possible. And today we've kind of alluded to this already, but today we're gonna just zoom in a little bit more on the SRS program. Um, and in a nutshell, the smart reading system is what SRS stands for and what we've done within that program, and I'm gonna hand it to you in a moment, but we've identified seven developmental skills that are most directly related and impactful upon reading success. So we identified those seven. We have built curriculum. We have built assessments. We have built instructional practices and data routines around these seven developmental skills to help ensure that our students are mastering those as consistently and as quickly as possible so they can benefit from traditional reading instruction. Yes? Yes. Okay. So I want you to be able to talk about maybe perhaps the seven skills. Okay. Right? So that we can give an overview of what, what those developmental skills are. Again, kind of speak to us, help us understand in layman's terms what that's referring to. And I think the connections to reading will become pretty clear. But if not, I'd ask you to make those connections okay. as we go. And then I'll, I'll share, I'll reference a little bit some of the data that, that we look at um, and make some connections for everybody before we go. Great. Awesome. I think the thing to um, first start off with is we don't have reading centers in our brain. Um, developmentally, it's fairly new uh, to humans. We've got listening centers. We've got speech centers but we have no reading center. And so uh, areas of the brain that were uh, tasked to do different functions have to be retasked to be able to read. It's an extremely complex thing. And just to give the, the students some sight words and some phonic rules, it works, but it only works in about maybe a third of the kids, if you're lucky. Um, and so you're allowing kids to just kind of program things in their heads, however they see fit. And then, of course, this is all subconscious. But um, And so what we've done is we've looked at good readers and the skills that good readers possess, and we've broken it down into different skill levels and then we're trying to teach those skill levels to everyone, giving them the opportunity to develop the same reading skills that naturally good readers have. So we've kind of um, got these normed assessments, and they've come from um, nationally normed assessments for visual perceptual skills. And we've done auditory perceptual skills also, um, just to uh, get an idea, in, in hearing, you've got a sensory system that's uh, a sensor wired in. In vision, you've, it's so much more complex because you've got um, three nervous systems that have to coordinate. You've got movements and you've got focusing. You've got all sorts of perceptual things that have to all work together, otherwise, we don't get good information in. And without getting good information in, you're not going to get good information out. 
So some of these skills that, that we've talked about and that we've got into our smart reading system are things like figure ground. When you're looking at something, what's important out of what you're looking at? You can look at a whiteboard full of day's activities and the teacher says, well, copy down the assignment, which she wrote down at the first of the day. And you're looking all over the board trying to figure out where it is. Or um, you look at a page of print and it's just a page of print. And to a young reader, that's pretty scary uh, because they have no other clues. And it's like, where do I look? Where do I get the information that I need? Um, so figure ground becomes extremely important, knowing what's important out of what you're looking at. Form constancy. Uh, we've all seen examples of that in different fonts, size of letters, orientation of letters. Um, an A is an A, whether it's laying on its side or standing up. But you have to learn that. It's not just an innate kind of, of thing. And so we teach that. Um, we teach visual imagery. Can you hear something or read something and get a picture in your head? And a lot of times it's very difficult. And we sort of talked about this at our last podcast where because of all the electronic media now, um, you know, that creates pictures for us. And so our brain doesn't have to create the pictures like it did when we were, we, we had nothing to play with and we had to be very imaginative. Um, and that's really important because you, you got to get that picture of what you're hearing or seeing. Um, we've got visual discrimination, uh, similarities and differences. Um, how are two chairs similar? How are they different? Um, how is a, an A different from an F or an N? Those kinds of things where um, you really have to look at what you're trying to see and interpret. Um, and so it becomes really important. Um, visual memory, sort of different than visual imagery, because visual memory is, can you remember what you looked at? So when you are copying from the board, you look up at the board and you see the word or the numbers that you're trying to copy. You look down at the paper. Whoops, you forgot what was up on the board. Now you got to look back at the board again. And so you end up copying one letter at a time, or if you can, uh, because you're trying to find your place on the board. Remember that, you know, form constancy and, and visual discrimination. And then you're looking down at the paper, trying to figure out where to put it. It's a whole complex problem that is a, a learned skill. And if you don't have that, reading, copying becomes really difficult. Um, and along with that, we've got visual closure. Visual closure is kind of an important one. They're all important, but visual closure is like the, aha, that's what it is. Um, you're driving down the freeway with your significant other and they go, what is that? And they point to something way off in the, on the horizon and you go, uh, I, hmm, what is, uh, oh, we're down by Bakersfield. It's an oil derrick. And so that's visual closure. It's that, aha, I got it. The, the light bulb goes off. And so all those are skills that we learn. And we all don't learn them at the same level. And so it's up to us and our uh, smart reading system program 
to teach everybody all those skills. So everybody's got to, you know, they're on the same playing field. You Visual closure, I want to come back to that one real quick because I, I feel like visual closure is the ability to identify something with missing pieces. Is that, that accurate? Um, that's more figure ground. Okay. Where you're looking at pieces of something and you're going, oh, this is what it is. Now, it leads to visual closure because visual closure is the final aha. Okay. So it's it's a skill that leads to another skill. Um, and if you don't have, you know, that skill of figure ground, piecing together bits of information, you'll never get to the visual closure part of it. Okay. Um, but the visual closure is the light bulb going off. When all these skills kind of come together and you go, ah, I've got it. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So you just gave us a, a, a quick crash course on those seven skills. And then I have literally in my hands the most recent SRS data for our kindergarten through second grade students. So I have every single student represented here and we have them sorted and color coded based on the percentage of, of mastery in these seven skills plus gross motor skills plus fine motor skills. And eye tracking. And eye tracking. Which we've talked about before also. Correct. And so what we're really doing is we're kind of um, building a developmental skill inventory, right? That's, Correct. That's what I'm looking at. And right. We've got it color-coded green, yellow, red. And again, we have the student who's least proficient at the top of the list. We have the student who's most proficient at the bottom. Okay? So then what I notice is if I look at second grade and I split them into two halves. So we have the lowest scoring 50%. In one group, we have the highest scoring 50% in the second group. The second group that has the most proficiency in these developmental skill areas has a five time, 500% more reading proficiency than the first group. That sounds about right. If I said that correctly, right? So two yeah. groups, so it should be you know maybe 50%, but five times more students in that second group are reading proficiently largely because they have these skills mastered and developed. And so we're seeing a natural correlation, which we mm -hmm. would expect, right? right? That's largely our, our hypothesis. That's largely what's behind this innovation. That's largely what's stated in the research that drives this. Correct. Is that students who master these developmental skills are going to be more effective learners. Right. And, and that's taking into account that some kids are just going to develop these skills naturally because of the kinds of things that they do, the sports that they play, the crafts that they do, the imaginary play that they're involved in. And some uh, aren't. And so um, that natural innate ability is also in there. And that's why we do this longitudinally. So we'll test these skills three times a year for mm -hmm. three times a year so we can see student progress and that what we're trying to see is not only are those naturally gifted kids that have these skills getting better but those kids that come in with very poor skills are now also 
improving and, and uh, catching up with those kids that have these skills uh, naturally or uh, they're just learning them faster. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> Great. Uh, Doc, anything else you want to add regard, related to SRS work? You know, I think it's a, uh, a continuing project because what we're doing is developing a curriculum that's never been developed before. Uh, and that is, I think, the, the, the problem with school innovation. It takes time and it takes work. Um, that's also been the problem with uh, this new f- educational field called neuro, um, educational neuroscience. Uh, it's sort of fizzled a little bit because you've got all this research. You've got these kids that could benefit from that but then how do you apply it? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's, you mentioned before, you know, traditional education and it's multifactored. It's a, it's a huge ship to turn. Um, one of the schools here in Modesto got really interested in what we were doing. Uh, they wanted to try and accomplish the same thing, but they had to get approval from the school board, from the county board, from two unions and from the teachers it turned out to be just such a monumental project that they decided they're just going to continue doing what they've been doing. So lots of roadblocks in the way of, of innovation. But I think we're really on to something here. And if we can keep moving forward with perfecting SRS, um, hopefully you know th- that percentage of successful readers is just going to continue to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think based on what you just shared, it's worthy to take a moment and celebrate all the people in the blue polos doing this work, <laughs> right? For our parents who are listening, yeah. you know, it takes it takes special people to be willing to do what can be frightening, right? Mm-hmm. Which is anything new can be frightening and anything new requires additional work. And so what we tend to employ are people who are so passionate about kids and so passionate about learning that they're willing to do the new and do the work. And, and all of our people do that. And I think it's worth highlighting that and celebrating and, and making sure parents understand that, that that's, a, that's a lot of effort and a lot yeah. of work to make that happen. And, and we are incredibly grateful for everybody who helps us realize that vision. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to um, congratulate those people that developed this SRS off of um, the um, not only Child Development Foundation, but also the, the Visual Development Foundation. And then to um, forward that, thanks, because now they're developing a smart math system to try and teach some of those uh, basic concepts uh, that give that foundation to understand math. Uh, so it's it's an ongoing project. And I really, Russ, I I don't know of many schools in the United States that are doing this kind of work. Um, everybody always says, "Oh, what we do is research proven." But where does the research come from? It's got to come from someplace. And so we're, we're not using our students as experimental kids because this all has 
very uh, solid foundations in child development and in visual and auditory skills. Um, but it's putting it in a practical, how do you get it into schools um, way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to name those people, Doc, that have been so critical in getting this work going? Oh, like uh, Lindsey Duran and um, Grace Gillum at the Modesto campus. Um, Tara Heilman. Tara Heilman. And who was in the other one in Modesto? Um, ooh, this goes back a ways. I can't remember. But, so I apologize to, big kudos <laughs> to, her too. <laughs> to, to that person we uh, have trouble coming up with. But, and it's, it is the same group that <clears throat> that's working on this uh, math program. And it's just, they're dynamos. Yeah. They, they can't get enough of this stuff. And so this is above and beyond their normal school workday. Yeah. It's um, pretty amazing. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, I am always excited and proud to work for an organization and a charter school, again, that's, that's willing to do this work, that's willing to be innovative. Uh, it's exciting. And so, Doc, thanks for spearheading that. Um, and you know, we'll continue to kind of unpack and, and share with people as we continue to, within this work all the great things that we learn and all the, the great wins that our students experience because of it. And that's why I, I think GVA is such a, an amazing place, not only for um, those kids that are having no trouble with learning, but those kids that are really, really struggling because we've got different ways to teach them how to how to learn. Um, and it's not the same old open to page 46 and now we're going to do 46 and tomorrow we're going to do 47. And um, it really is uh, more student-centered. So I, I think we need, you know, a dozen of these schools. It's like um, Tom Chignon is the uh, retired superintendent of Stanislaus County Schools. And he did. He wanted to see a dozen GVAs around the county. Uh, so I, I think uh, we need to move forward. <laughs> well, I, I, I think we will, Doc. I think <laughs> you, can, you can feel the ground swell. You can feel momentum building again. I'm excited to see what, what that turns out to be. Great. All right. Well, Doc, thank you for your time as always. Thank you, Russ, for inviting me. Until next time. See you then. <laughs>